the order of the service from here on. Uh, Brother Ray Hoover will be sharing on the responsibility of the minister and congregation working together in the church. And then we'll have a standing verse of song or so for change of position. And then Brother Warren Knoll, uh will give the charge to the congregation. And then I will come and close the service. Brother Ray. There is none like the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and in his excellency upon the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. It's always comforting to me in a time of change and changes in responsibility and situations to think about the things that don't change, the eternal things. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And so tonight, in, by, in the introduction, I would like to look at some of the things that don't change, that we can come to and find trust and confidence. I greet you in the name of Jesus, the one Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. And to Brother Dwight, he accepts this responsibility. Not only do I use this verse as a rough outline of my message, I offer to you as an encouragement, a sort of divine sandwich, if you want to call it that. The eternal God is your refuge, God above in the sky, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And when you find yourself in that position, that's a very comfortable and peaceful and confident position to be in. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, ever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, and lo, I am with you always, 
even unto the end of the earth, end of the world. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so we are gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus and the presence of God, the one who is unchanging, not even a hint of change, no shadow of turning. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. As you accept this charge, Brother Dwight, may that be your, your confidence, something that you can trust in and rest in as you go from here, the eternal promises of God and his unchanging ways. The responsibility of the ministry and congregation working together and as I thought of that title, I wondered, is it a responsibility as much as a privilege? You know, when it works, it truly is a privilege for the ministry and the congregation to work together. And I've sensed that through this weekend that it has been a privilege to be here and share the time with you. And the working together that I've seen, ministry and congregation has been a blessing and a tremendous privilege. For an introductory verse, Ephesians 2 and verse 19 through 22 gives us a sense of how important it is for the church to work together. Ephesians 2 and verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded for a habitation of God through the Spirit. The church here, the picture is given as a, of a temple, being built together and constructed on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the apostles and prophets, being put together, fitly framed, in whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And I think that gives us a sense of how important it is that we do truly work together, that this will be a place where God can inhabit, and where his spirit and his power can work. And so that sets the stage and gives us a sense of, of how important it is that we work together and build together. Build on that foundation of Jesus Christ, the apostles and prophets. And I like to think that he says, and you as well in whom you also are builded together for a habitation, that we continue to build on that foundation and that work that was established 2,000-some years ago, and it is the same building. It is the same church. Collectively, that works, but I think every local congregation is a representation of the temple of God built on the apostles 
and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The other evening, I used the example of the Apostle Peter and his ministry to take some thoughts for the responsibilities of a minister. I would like to continue that theme for just a little bit in thinking of the congregation and ministry working together. Peter had the privilege of working with Jesus, spending time with him, and we think how wonderful that must have been to be able to spend three years and actually hear the teachings and see what he did and um, just to be there. But truly, we do have the same privilege that they do through the word of God that was left for us. Men like Peter and the other apostles, the writers of the New Testament, writing down their experiences. And I was blessed in looking at the letters that Peter wrote, First and Second Peter, and how his experiences with Jesus came through. And so this is kind of his last challenge to the church. He loved the church. And he just gave practical instruction in working together as a ministry and congregation. And I'd like to just pick out a few, a few verses here and there for a little bit of instruction this evening on working together as a ministry and congregation. We sense that Peter is doing this as his last testament to the church. Second Peter chapter 1 captures that thought, and I'd just like to read that. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, it talks about stirring up their mind by way of remembrance. Chapter 1 and verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. And we remember the words of Jesus after his resurrection. When you were young, you went where you wanted. But when you're old, others will carry you and take you where you don't want to go. And so he recognizes that. Knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me, moreover I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. He urges us to continue to stir up our minds and, and remind us in the things that he learned from the Lord Jesus. For we have not followed cunning devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, wherein too you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. A more sure word of prophecy, the eternal word of God. But that is the heart of Peter to us this evening. The things that he learned through the Lord Jesus, he wants to share with us. First one I'd like to look at is chapter 1, 
and verses 15 through 19. Later in the chapter, he talks about the, their salvation. Verse 18, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Reminding us of our salvation, the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without blemish and without spot. But then in verse 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. As we look, work, and labor together as a church, ministry, and congregation, and take on the holiness of God, this challenge to be holy as he is holy, we leave a consistent witness in the world to a testimony of what the Christian life should look like. This is how God wants us to live it out in everyday life. That is what holiness is, living it out, becoming like God in his character and his nature. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation." The holiness of God is the basis for our separation from the world, the basis of our nonconformity. The more we become holy as he is holy, the more distinct we will be from the world around us. It is impossible to become more like Jesus and to become more like the world around us at the same time. And I believe collectively as we work together, ministry and congregation, our testimony and our witness shows the world and the community around us what a Christian witness should be and what it looks like. When we lose that, when we fail to work together, our testimony is lost. In Romans chapter 12, he gives, we're given instruction to the church, and he begins the chapter with, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And if we back up to Romans chapter 8, I believe at the end of the chapter, Verse 29, whom he did foreknow, he also did, pre did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That is, there is no other option. We are predestinated as his children to be conformed to the image of his son. And then in chapter 12, he comes in and says, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We are not conformed as we conform to the image of Christ. We all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image by glory to glory as by the Spirit of God. 
Be holy as he is holy. There is no beauty greater than the holiness of God. We worship God in the beauty of holiness. Heaven is beautiful because it is in the presence of God. And the holiness there is perfect. Let's take the challenge as a congregation, as a people, working together to become holy as God is holy. Chapter 2 and verses 4 through 10. And we remember the words of Jesus when Peter confessed that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus told him, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the play on words, Peter, Petros, and the rock, Petra. First Peter 2 and verse 4, To whom coming is unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a pre holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Repeating essentially what the Apostle Paul taught in Ephesians chapter 2, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and you also are built up in holy, holy temple. Here Peter calls us lively stones, Build up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God. When we truly work together as a congregation, ministry and, and congregation working together, the spiritual house we build comes a place, becomes a place of worship and reverence acceptable where spiritual sacrifices can be offered acceptable unto God. Later in chapter 2, verse 11 through 17, Dear beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, unto governors as unto them which are sent for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men." as free and not losing your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. When we work together and labor together in the vineyard of the Lord, we should lead the way in submission and in obedience to our authorities over us, the king, ordinances of men. We should be, while we're citizens of another country, 
our citizenship here should be exemplary, and by it put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Mutual respect, ministry for congregation and working together. You can generate no more respect for your own position and your own leadership than you're willing to give to those who are over you. Love the brotherhood. Respect your ministry. Esteem them very highly and love for their work's sake. We don't always deserve respect. It's not by merit. It's not because of who we are, but it's because of the position that God has given us to. David understood that in his sparing of Saul's life. It wasn't because Saul deserved to die, but David spared him because of the anointing of the Lord. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and, it, and ensue it. Finally, be all of one mind. Be compassionate. Love. Be courteous. Show basic Christian love and courteous, courteousness as you go about your lives. Watch your tongue. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. The quickest way to turn your children away from the Lord and from the church is to speak evil of your ministry, those that are over you. Let's be careful in our tongues, refrain from evil and our lips that they speak no guile. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer, and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Above all things, show Christian love. Not that charity glosses over sin, but because of acts of charity, there is less opportunity for sin. If we're not at peace with each other, there are more opportunities for anger and for sin. Exercise charity, it's a prevention. Charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Oh, I'm willing to be hospitable, but sometimes it's grudgingly. Watch your attitudes in, in um, carrying out the work of the Lord. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I like that phrase, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God gives the gifts to the church. He says, as every man hath received, now exercise your gift 
good stewards of this manifold grace of God. Use your gift to the honor and glory of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. God sets the members in the church. He gives the gifts to the church. And he says here to every man, it is my belief that if you're a part of the prairie church, you have something, a place to fill and a role to fill that nobody else can fill. And at the same time, for me as an individual, every person that is also a part of the church has something to offer me to my life. So everyone is given a gift, and I have need of those gifts from everyone else. Be good stewards of the manifold grace of God, the things that he has entrusted to your care. And finally, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 11, the passage on submission. Feed the flock of God to the ministry. Younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, whom, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And I'd like to conclude with this benediction. As we labor together, congregation and ministry and congregation working together, I believe that this will be our experience. The God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Without me ye can do nothing. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly will I rather there, a glo there rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Lord bless you.